0: Well, good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you happen to be watching this. I am Lina Orlando, and welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. And today is June the 15th, 2020. So we're in the middle of some major, major shifts and changes in the world. Um, so today, I'm really excited that you're going to get to meet a friend who has participated in, in a uh, a group that I am... Um, I'm going to call it a group, but it's Awakening Giants. It's it's an experience that she and I both um, took place in, in, in different locations, but we're part of that same community. So please join me in welcoming Betsy. Betsy, it is so exciting to have you here for this conversation, because I know you um, what little I know about you, your your life is gonna touch the lives of many people because you're, you know, we all have stories that, that impact other people's lives. But let me start with the same question that I ask everybody. When did you begin to realize that there was more to life than what you had been taught?
1: Oh, you know, um, the word awakening, um, I had to think about that a little bit. Um, You know, for me, waking up, I hit this news alarm a lot. (laughs) So for me, awakening has been a process. And the process started, I think, when I was a little girl. And I was in Catholic schools. And they talked about how God is love. And then all the actions that occurred afterwards didn't prove that. And I kept saying, but God is inside. It was, but God is love. God is love. What happened to that part? (laughs) Um, And I think... um, and and I grew up with um, give a little backstory. Um, very low self esteem. Um, my uh, legal name is Elizabeth Ann. My dad named me after his two sisters um, when and and put it on the birth certificate before my mother was aware, and she wanted to name me something else. So she refused to call me by my name. Um, I was called Sissy until I was ten. And um, I was told the reason I was called Sissy was because my brother couldn't pronounce the word sister. Yeah. So here was this little girl that decided up until the age of 10, when she begged her mother, we were moving to Florida. Um, could she have a, Could she be called by her name? And um, my mother said, well, you know, you're not really a Liz or a Beth. Or a Elizabeth, <laughs> so we'll call you Betsy because that's a, a good nickname. So here was this little girl that didn't even know she was good enough for her own name. Mm. So you can imagine the trouble I got myself into. <laughs> um, you know, um, I was definitely not awake. I forgot that God is love. Yeah, um, and um, had a lot of struggles, and um, because of that, and was married to a, a man that was abusive. Uh, had three children. Um, I wanna remind the young women of today that it wasn't until 1985 that there were domestic violence laws. It was still legal to hit your wife. Wow. 1985. So for me, staying, you know, leaving wasn't really an option. Um, And so, um, and the self-esteem. You know, the the self-esteem that was so low. I had a connection to creator, God. I call Mm -hmm. God. Um, You know, it's a human name. Um, Doesn't matter what I call that source. Um, But I always had that connection to my higher power. And um, I joined a support group for families of alcoholics and started to do some inward work. The very first book I read um, was one of uh, Wayne Dyer's books mm-hmm. and he was an impetus and he was the one that started me on a journey of self-discovery, um, discovering who I really am um, and being able to let go of all the abuse that I had um, been involved in. And um, Betsy, but how old
0: were you when you started reading Wayne Dyer?
1: um at the time i was in my probably about 30.
0: okay because I, Wayne Dyer has been a big part of so many people our our generation were mm-hmm. they they yeah. pretty much everybody can go to a Wayne Dyer book that impacted their lives yeah. yeah
1: yeah um i was you know it was i was in the middle of i had three children at the time and and i was desperate to f- fix my marriage in my life and um not realizing that I had to to deal with this first, and um, that was probably a big part of my journey. Um, and then, um, as time pro- progressed, I started doing more self development. Uh, one of the biggest influences was the movie The Secret, and I know everybody was like, "And it it, it was kind of a superficial movie, but." I got it. I got the real message. And I remember my kids were grown. Um, I was still in that marriage I was miserable and I sat down and I made the list of qualities I wanted in the relationship. Um, and I looked at that list after seeing the movie The Secret and I said, "Okay, God, I understand if I want these qualities in my relationship, I have to be these qualities." Exactly. It's not about wanting, it's about being. Yeah. So, um I sat down and I said, "Okay, if if this is it, you know, it's either going to make or break this relationship, so I have to be all of these no matter how he behaves." Yeah. And when I did that, it was like a magnet repelling him out of my life. Um, it was so interesting to see. Let,
0: let's, talk, let's talk about this
1: for a second. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember some of the qualities on that list? Kindness, uh, tenderness, appreciation, respect, mm-hmm. um, conversation. And it's really funny because I didn't say how much because my current husband loves to talk. And he probably talks a little too much about that part um they were all you know honesty kindness caring um conversationalist um spiritual um it had nothing about height weight blue eyes none of that no physical it was all about characteristics within
0: the essence yeah the essence of a being so let's talk about this for a second because um you know when when i have people who come on this program, one of the things that I love to share is, and to make clear to people who are on a journey that they're awakening, that when we begin this journey, as you said, it takes a while. It's almost as if we have lived two different lives. There's for me that line in the sand there's the the before awakening BA and then there's the after awakening mm-hmm. the before awakening for you it sounds like a life of low self-esteem mm-hmm. um, abuse and and you probably in so many ways were um were just looking for love in all the wrong places mm-hmm. and so it's share just a little bit about what was that life how did you show up in the world because you know the secret is really clear and, and like you, I got the essence of it. We we are creating our own reality. So we're projecting out there who we believe we are inside. And we get the match to that through our, mm-hmm. the relationships. Share a little bit of who, what was the Betsy before awakening like? Let's just describe her and then the, the contrast.
1: Oh, yeah. she was a people pleaser, huge people pleaser. Um, in fact, my maiden name was Wright. Um, So I had a lot of control issues um, and a lot of the control issues were based on fear of if I didn't do everything right, then this would happen. So I had to get everything Mm -hmm. perfect. Um, I was somewhat of a perfectionist, Um, high expectations, but low, Um, (laughs) you know, life was more outward yeah. Um, put it this way. I worked, I, I taught middle school. I had three kids at the same time I was teaching full time. Their dad, who was my husband at the time was a pilot and gone half the time. So I was somewhat of a single mother and I was a girl scout troop leader, a, a Sunday school teacher a this, of that on top of everything else. I was just, I was, you know, I, I could say i was in survival mode, but survival mode felt like, I had to be doing, and, and this is so cool. It's not about the doing, it's about the being. And yeah. I think that, that's a huge switch in the awakening process. And I was the doer, the do, 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 do. And now I'm the being. And yeah,
0: that that is a huge distinction. I, I know when I had my kids and I was unconscious, completely unconscious, like you. It was all about doing, and I too was one of those overachieving you know moms, and I had a full-time job. Mm-hmm. I was involved in the PTA, I was involved in the HOA, you know, the Homeowner Association. Mm-hmm. I was uh, played tennis in, and helped organize the the socials. I ran fundraisers for a charity that was near and dear to my heart in our community, and I had three kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like you, it was this constant doing. But it sounds like we were doing it for the same reasons. We were looking for validation outside of ourselves. And that that was so necessary. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, or, or, yeah, I thought it was. It was it was the little girl that didn't feel good enough for her own name that needed to find um needed other people to tell her she was.
0: Yeah. And,
1: um, it's really interesting because after the divorce or during the divorce, you know, that list. Yeah. My, actually, um, I had the last straw and I don't want to go into what that last straw was and don't um the lawyer and, and lawyer said, okay, now you have to tell him. And I'm like, okay. And that Sunday, um, we got in an argument and he asked, he told me he didn't love me and he wanted a divorce. So I didn't even have to do that part. It was like, God was taking care of all of it as part of the list. Three weeks after that happened, um, my current husband walks into my life. (laughs) You know, when we got married, we decided we wanted to, we both had different religious backgrounds, but we both wanted to do something spiritual together. And, um, and, you know, I'm not connected to any quote church, but, we decided to join a unity church because we liked the, the, the principles behind the unity church. And we be, both became prayer chaplains together. Um, and that was huge yeah. uh, to actually do affirmative prayer because it was different from my, my upbringing was the um, Santa Claus God. Yeah. Praying, <laughs> please give me, give me, give me, do for me, do for me. And affirmative prayer is having faith and knowing it's already done. Yeah, And, and being in a state of gratitude for that which is already done. And it's so much more powerful. And it, it, it started both of us on a, a journey that it, it's like it escalated it. And um,
0: yeah. let's talk about that distinction because that is, a, that is a huge distinction between being unconscious and praying and hoping things will come to you. Because, you know, in the essence of the secret, was the fact that our thoughts create our reality. And of course, we know from so many different teachers, Abraham, you know, Wayne Dyer, Course in Miracles, that is exactly what is happening. We are manifesting, mm-hmm. we are powerful creators manifesting based on what we think. Mm-hmm. So here you are with the, the clear distinction of looking outside of yourself to feel validated and pleased not knowing how powerful your mind was and then you meet somebody who wants to participate in in affirmative prayer what had to happen in your mind to prepare you for affirmative prayer because we can't go from i'm not good enough i'm unworthy to oh i am certain about who i am so take us through that bridge that you walked to shift your your perception about God and took him off of the Santa Claus pedestal and and uh, shifted it into what you came to know as affirmative prayer. This is really good.
1: Um, you know, I was taught the affirmative prayer um, in in some of the classes, the classes I took. I also took some classes in a prosperity plus um, and those kind of things, and it started to become more part of who I was who I am. And um, I was uh, then introduced to EFT, emotional freedom technique, which is tapping to release stuff. Mm
0: -hmm. And I actually
1: use it with my clients today. I say, we're going to tap the crap out. Um, (laughs) And and then I was introduced to something called Psych K.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with it.
1: And I got certified in Psych K because Psych K actually, you go into your subconscious, And you change those limiting beliefs on the subconscious level. And unlike hypnosis, hypnosis takes hours. This takes minutes. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember being muscle tested on. I love myself unconditionally and it muscle tested that I didn't. I was like, you got to be kidding. I've done all this work and I still don't believe this. (laughs) it was on my subconscious level and our subconscious is in charge of our lives 90% of the time and our conscious, which is what we think we think is only in charge 10%. And the subconscious works through our habits. Yeah. So we're not habitually doing things and getting results. We need to look inward and say, okay, what's going on here? And so for me, I was, <laughs> what triggered it for me was I was, Testing my husband. I was like my ex-husband hated when I left shoes out. So I was shoe dropping Um, I was leaving dishes in the sink I was doing the things that used to irritate my ex-husband to see if this one this new one would react Would love me anyway and you know what? When I didn't do the dishes, he looked at me and he says, "Oh, we'll just throw them away and buy new ones." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Where did he come from?" This is, and I had, I was, I was looking inward and saying, "Okay, Betsy, why are you doing this? You're sabotaging this. You're trying to sabotage this relationship." And that's when I went, you know, you find your spiritual gurus and 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 you go with them and you you do at least I do. I, I do the work I need to do. I still am doing the work I need to do. I have my spiritual gurus today that I, in fact, tomorrow night I have a Theta Healing practice session. Um so for me, changing that that one, just that one first core belief about being good enough and, and loving mm-hmm. myself shifted everything. Yeah. Shifted everything. And I was able to recognize that I'm a divine being yeah and none of this matters um, and all of this mattered so much before um, and at the time it's probably been about it was before my daughter died. Um, I wrote a mission statement, and my mission statement was, "I am to be the divine expression of I am the divine expression of love in every situation, no matter what." And it was huge for me, and it's a big mission to live up to because the yeah. no matter what can be really hard.
0: <laughs> but let, let's talk about this. You've said so many amazing things. Um, so yes, we we when we are unconscious and I love to make that distinction because waking up is to see the, the difference between how we operate from uh, unconsciously Mm-hmm. Our life is run by the subconscious mind. And, and I'm sure you've heard this uh, as the analogy, but it's like we live um, as if we're an iceberg and we operate just from what you see at the top. So all of us have very superficial lives. Mm-hmm. We live from what is seen. So we consciously want to, using conscious thought, you know, what I'm going to do right now, what I'm going to do tomorrow, you know, all that yakking in the head about the things that we think we want to do because they're good for us. But below the surface, the thinking that nobody knows the, the the relentless chatter in the head is always way more powerful, way more powerful because it's unquestioned. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows what's down there. Heck, I didn't know what was down there until I began excavating. Yeah. But those-
1: It, it, it is true. You- I had to, and I still have to, there are still some things that I'm like, okay, what's that about Yeah, to go in and and do the work and and muscle testing really helps to help you determine what you, what your subconscious believes to be true or not. But it's a huge link working Mm -hmm. with someone else that has an objective, an outside perspective is important too. Well, yes. Let's
0: let's talk about both of these things. We can't see our own blind spots until <laughs> enough has surfaced that we then become, we, we become practiced at being the observer until you can witness and know you're not your thoughts and observe your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You can't see your blind spots. Mm-hmm. And so, so that is a key component, but let's talk about the muscle testing because And by the way, for people who may be curious about muscle testing, uh, also known as kinesiology, there's a wonderful book written by what I'm going to say, the granddaddy of muscle testing, which is uh, uh, Dr. Um, David Hawkins, and he wrote the book Power Versus Force. And it's something that Dr. Bruce Lipton teaches, and he is one of the co-founders of Psyche. Talk about Exactly, the purpose of muscle testing and why it is such a powerful tool for us to use as we are moving through this journey.
1: Um, muscle testing, and for people who think it's woo woo, um, it's it's comes from the same principle that um lie detector tests come from. Lie detector tests are very much relative to muscle testing, it's energy. You know, your energy, your body's energy um, reacts to positive differently than it does to negative. Um, We are weak, weakened by negative energy, and we are strengthened by positive energy. Um, And a positive thought is it may be (laughs) a positive thought may be positive in our minds. Like I'm not good enough was a positive thought in my subconscious. Yeah, I, I muscle tested strong on that. Now, once that, through Psyche, that belief was changed, it was weak because it no longer had a positive charge to it. It was negative. And I wanted it to be negative because who doesn't want to love themselves?
0: Yeah, but, but let's talk about that. Why was it positive in your mind? Because people don't understand oh. that, that it is positive for a reason. It, it, it is. So speak okay. to that, please.
1: I'm not good enough started when I was little. It started when I was little. The first seven years of our life, we know our brains are programmed. Uh, those little neurotransmitters, those little pathways are. are They're being set. They're, They're being set. Mm-hmm. And I was a little girl that my mother abused me. I wasn't good enough. And here's the thing is we have something in our brains called an RAS. It's a reticular activating system. And its job is that of a locator. And if, I think, if I'm if i thinking I'm not good enough, that RAS goes out and finds people, places, and things to keep that belief true. Yeah. And as I grow and that belief continues to grow stronger and stronger and stronger, that's why I married my first husband. That's why I did the things I did. That's why I got bad grades. That's why, and by the way, when I went back to school the second time after I was awakening, I made I made a 3.95 GPA. I did really good. But I knew at that time I knew who I was. Um, so our RAS is looking for what we believe. And it's so funny because I've actually witnessed someone's RAS. In action, there's a woman in our community that um i've seen a negative negative person and they were in a positive place and it wasn't negative enough so she had to go to another room to find the negativity yeah and 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 it was like it is i watched watched it happen and then my husband went in the same room and came back he says i didn't i didn't find it that way
0: you know so and, but, but hold on, because you're, you're saying so many amazing things that we, we could talk for hours. Let's talk about that RAS, that, that uh, reticular activator. It is designed to give us evidence that brings us a level of comfort that our ego operates from. The need oh. to be right gets satisfied. Mm -hmm. So that that aspect of ourselves that is projecting out there, the very thing that is going to give us a yes, I'm right about this. Yes, see, nobody likes me. Yes, this is a, you know, negative place, you know, a simple, simple way to recognize your that your RAS is active is look at how somebody will say something totally opposite to you. And if if your RAS is active, and it is opposite, you are going to put them down, you are going to attack it, you won't be able to say, tell me about that, because Mm -hmm. your mind that needs to be right about that being wrong, cannot allow you to question something. If internally, you believe that you are protected by your way of thinking, that your thoughts are the right ones, and when we need to be right, we feel a sense of strength. But it is—it's a false sense of strength because it's a strength that is based on lack of confidence. When we put somebody down, we don't have confidence in ourselves. If we had confidence, we could say, "Well, I
1: don't see it that way. Tell me why you see it that way." But or that the for me it's it's yeah, I'm really curious why yeah. why' do you think that way and and to be able to listen and for me be able to listen and have an understanding of why may I, you know, may or may not agree, but i want to understand because for me where I am in my life understanding we all want to be understood exactly
0: yeah, yes that's and that's cool. a hallmark a hallmark of the spiritual journey is curiosity,
1: yeah curious I'm curious so why why is that why is that going on and, and even curiosity about me you know why, why is my left knee bothering me okay what's that about okay go get Louise Hayes books heal your life and look that up um, another really really good book
0: um, exactly so so you did all this muscle testing that allowed you because again what you were saying about muscle testing being like a lie detector we can't we can lie to ourselves with our mind, but the body doesn't lie. The body is the one one thing that we can rely on to actually give us truth. However, we have to do the the work that Betsy's talking about. You gotta be curious because your body will will tell you the truth, but your mind will override it if you don't wanna hear it. And so many of us self-sabotage all the time because we don't want to hear the truth that is coming from the body as information that requires a shift of perception, a shift of mind, a thing, a changing how we believe. So now, so you do all of this work you're excavating your thought system. You're doing the muscle testing. Then you apply the the uh, tapping as a way of of you know recognizing that we're energy beings that that we're coming alive. That's what awakening is. We're becoming resensitized and reactivating a a an awareness of exactly what you wrote about the list of what you wanted in in your partner your own kindness you're becoming that your kindness your honesty your gentleness your appreciation tenderness and all oh, of the things are, are
1: and humor was part of it. This man makes me laugh every minute of the day.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So now, what, what has happened to your life? Let's paint a picture of what your life looks like today from you doing that work and giving up that story that you were not good enough, you were not whatever enough. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, a lot of really good things um, and some challenges. You know, um, I had to, I remember, I believe we have a soul contract and we come here, we pick totally. our know, kids, we pick our parents for the lessons we need to learn. And I remember when my um it'll be four years in August, my youngest daughter was killed by a drunk driver. And I remember and I still think, you know, <laughs> I must have been sidetracked or, you know, not paying attention when I agreed to that part of the soul contract. Because that's mm-hmm. a part I really don't like at all. Um and that's just having a sense of humor about it. But totally. um before that happened, um, my husband and I, were um, we had manifested our dream home. I had, actually, we had looked at this house when we first got married, and um, it, was in a, it, was, it was a little higher price than we wanted. And I remember keeping the floor plan and saying, I really like this house, right? Well, back when the market crashed, um, we went up to Port St. Lucie, where we had seen this house before, and we started looking and lo and behold um the same floor plan came came about available with a pool a fenced in yard and the price was not four hundred thousand it was one hundred (laughs) and thirty two thousand gotta love it (laughs) and we because the market was low we put our other house up for rent and we bought this other one and um it was a dream home and we spent six years there enjoying everything about it. And things changed. Um, My husband had been commuting to Fort Lauderdale for a job. Um, It just things were, it was time for another move. Um, The house that we had rented out uh, needed repairs. And so, you know, we sold that house, that dream house, went back to the other house, fixed it up. When we were there is when my daughter's crash occurred. Um, Shortly after that, we knew where we wanted to be. We wanted to be here in Boynton Beach. We knew we wanted to be in a 55 plus community. I envisioned a kitchen that I have, um, high ceilings, a big closet. I mean, I envisioned everything. We looked at a couple of places. When I walked in here, I was like, "This is it." Manifested this house. That's the um,
0: reticular activator in action, right there.
1: Oh, yeah. You I knew
0: it, and you had to go
1: find evidence of it. Yeah, and and so we found it. Um, And that's on the material side. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for me, uh, more emotional growth. um, Creating um, workshops, uh, working with clients, um, taking more classes myself. I, I became an advanced theta healer. And theta healing, I like a little, you know, Psyche works on the subconscious mind. Theta healing goes beyond that. Theta healing goes and works not only on the subconscious mind, but on the DNA, which is in your your DNA, um, past lives and soul agreements. Um, So it it works on a different level. And I really enjoy that process too. Um, But in that process, I became an awakening giant. I got involved in that group and that movement. I had written, I'd written my first book, which was a parenting book, um, right after I retired from teaching middle school home economics, uh, right av- shortly after my husband and I got together. And um, I knew I wanted to write another book. And I had, before Caroline's death, um, I had this book ready to go. And I was like, when the crash occurred, I was like, no. I have to include my experience around her death in this wow. book. And the, the title even changed. Um, before it was, you know, uh, what is the missing piece, which was you, yeah. um, and it changed, the title changed to Making More Than Lemonade Out of Lemons, um, because one of my qualities is kind of Pollyannish. Um, I kind of make a game out of finding good in every single thing that happens, and... Um, when my daughter was killed by the drunk driver, that was the biggest place to find something good. Yeah, yeah. Um, And yet. That's all right, take your time. In so many ways, she showed me. Um, First of all, um, she lived in St. Petersburg, Florida and she was an elementary school music teacher and um, we had to rent the performing arts theater because there were 450 people, standing yeah. room only, and most of those people I didn't know. Yeah, uh, one of the schools she taught at named their outdoor theater after her. She was 34, um, so um, she taught. She taught me so much, um, and even today, in um, and. and I don't consider myself a channeler. I remember the first time I accident- accidentally channeled somebody, and I was like, "Who? Oh, what was that all about? <laughs> you know, it was like, okay. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm also a Reiki Reiki 2 practitioner. And um, I remember when, after, when we got to the hospital and they had her hooked up to machines, and everybody in the room was praying for her to... You survive. Yeah, I did not feel her in her body. I felt her in the room, and I kept hearing her in my head saying, "Mom, do not expect me to go back to that body. I can't do what I'm supposed to do in that body." And so it was hard for me to pray for her to get better because yeah. I knew it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing is when um, she was a she was an organ donor, and when um, we were her dad and I were in the room with Lifelink talking about her organ donations. Um, they were talking about how they couldn't use her heart because it um, it was probably smashed by the paddles, but they could use her heart valves for children and babies. And I heard her in my head say, um, "See, Mom, I'm still helping the kids." Yes. And and then I went and and this is this is where this she was a goofy kid. She was. <laughs> And all of a sudden, um, they t- tell us how they're using skin and they actually use nipples for reconstructive surgery for women with breast cancer. Wow. And in my head, I heard her say, see mom, my tits are going to live forever. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> and in this place, this solemn place with her dad we're all, and I'm like, <coughs> trying not to laugh, um. I don't hear her as much as I used to, but I have to tell you, her name's Caroline and everywhere we go, we keep hearing sweet Caroline. The other day I was watching some TV, the commercial, the TV, a book I was reading. Every single time I turned around, the person's name was Caroline and it's not a very popular name. So she puts her name out there a lot, um, lets me know she's around. yeah.
0: So uh, oh, that, that is how fun that you had that playful banter with her. And, you know, th- this is a wonderful, um, it's a wonderful place that you were able to get to because this whole process of awakening is, is about recognizing our oneness, our connection to everything, that there is no such thing as death of the essence of what we are you know, that that eternal part of us. Yes, the body has that death experience, but what we are is 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 eternal. And, and it is playful and joyful. It is, you know, that that's one of the things with my mom after my mom passed away, that's when my journey started. Mm -hmm. And that that playfulness with her is what helped me do a lot of healing work around her around my childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, But what what are some of the things that you have learned um, now in your awakened state about death, the death experience about eternalness, about who we are as conscious beings speak to that please.
1: Yeah. um, It's really interesting because before her death um, I had no fear of death at all. I had gotten to a place where I don't fear death at all. Um, Her father passed away last December of a heart attack and he's, he's my age. and my two other children are devastated. They lost their sister, then they lost their dad. And you know, one of my prayer and I know that and, and here's here's the thing, they're really afraid for me with this this pandemic that's going on. I know personally, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. And one of the huge lessons with her was this was a crash. She was living her life to the fullest. In fact, Really interesting thing was three weeks before the crash, she calls me on the phone and she's hysterical having a panic attack. She says, Mom, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm crying all the time. I'm I'm in a I'm in a panic. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I don't know why I'm I'm feeling this way. And to me, it was her garden of Gethsemane. It was mm. like her whole new time's up. I mean, she even gave stuff away in a garage sale shortly before we walked into her apartment. It was all ready for us to put, to get rid of, I mean, it was like her soul knew time was up. Yeah. Um, and so for me, the lesson in it was we make this soul contract and when on. you know, I'm not going to jump out of an airplane that you know, I'm not going to take risky behaviors, but really when my time's up, my time's up. Yeah. Um, I would really like it to be, a while from now because of my two other children and what they can endure, or what I think they can endure, um, <laughs> you know, um, cause their beliefs aren't like mine, <laughs> but, but I'm not in charge. And, and, um, again, I, I fear has no place in my life. Yeah. At all. Um, because to me it's, Hatred isn't the opposite of love. Fear is the opposite of love. Um, any decision I ever made in the state of fear, the outcome has never been very good.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I mean, not not only is it not good, but when we make decisions from fear, we have to keep repeating that decision until we correct it with love. And that's one of the things that people don't understand about the, you know, kind of to tie it back to that subconscious mind. But when we are unaware of those beliefs that run our lives, they're all based on fear. You know, it's fear of being who I am, because when we were little, being who we were got us in trouble. And this this inability to be curious, kind of we're going to tie all kinds of things together that we've talked about, (laughs) but this inability to be curious about why we're fearful keeps us repeating the patterns, because that reticular activator is going to bring to us that perfect situation to repeat over and over and over again. I'm a student uh, of A Course in Miracles and and have been teaching from it because I have found it to me, uh, for me to be the most clear teaching of Mm -hmm. how to understand the way the mind works, how to understand the way the ego gets programmed, the subconscious mind is programmed, so that we can transcend being run by our subconscious mind. And it is very clear, fear keeps repeating itself, because until you can love that part of you that was in fear, in essence, it's a process of forgiving yourself for having believed this, this thing that you learned when you were a child, Mm -hmm. we can't shift towards creating something from love. And that is so beautiful that you had, you know, all of this training to prepare you for this this uh, to experience the death of your child from a higher level of consciousness. Um, what, what would you say to a parent, knowing what you know today about what un- being unconscious is all about? What would you say to a parent that maybe hasn't gone through all of the years of, of um, spiritual training that we have? what would you recommend or or suggest to them that could help them when they're totally completely unconscious of our eternalness
1: oh um i think um a parent that's lost child or just any parent just any
0: maybe any loss any loss of a of a living being
1: um i don't know um I think, you know, I I can, I can say there's an afterlife. Um, A really good book is The Afterlife of Billy Fingers. Love Um, that book. I was so fortunate to read that before my daughter's crash. Um, Another book that I was, you know, I, I think it's all about self-discovery. You need to, and and here's the thing is, is the memories, the good memories. um, I know for me, Um, My daughter's relationship and my relationship was very complete. Um, I look back on things that occurred and it was like, well, that's why it happened then. Um, She was married and divorced and she felt bad about the divorce. It wasn't her fault, her ex, anyway. And um, she felt bad about the divorce. She was only married two years. And after this happened, I, I thought, that's why it happened her father got to walk her down an aisle i ha- i got to help her pick out a wedding dress we would have been robbed of that experience mm-hmm. had she not gotten married and divorced you know that was an experience a joyful day that we got to celebrate together her sister got to give her a really neat bridal shower and and bachelorette party i mean yeah those moments are very precious and had she not had that we we wouldn't have been able to have those memories so looking back, look at those memories and find the value in those memories. Um and know that those memories are still part, they're they're part of who we are. Um another really good book after the crash, I went to my husband and I went, it was probably about a year or so afterwards, we went up to Casadega, which is a place in Florida where there's a lot of mediums and psychics and and I met with a woman and um she came up to me after the service and said um yeah you know, she told me things that i didn't share she said oh you lost a child and i'm like oh mhm and she said i want you to pick up the book the blue island hmm. and it was a book written years ago and it was um a woman who had lost her brother in the titanic that's how old the book is oh, wow. and it was being channeled by a medium and written by this woman and her brother She the channeler was the medium was channeling her brother. And her brother wanted her to know that on the Titanic, as as people died in the Titanic, as souls were leaving their body, they were busy saving others' lives. (laughs) And I only needed to read that first chapter because my daughter's boyfriend was in the car with her. And what that told me, I, I got the message that. Caroline saved her boyfriend's life. Mm. You know, her soul, as soon as her soul left her body, she was saving his life. And when we were in that emergency room, she was in the room, she wasn't in her body anymore.
0: Yeah. Um, I've just got total, complete goosebumps hearing that. Isn't that an amazing thing? When we realize the, our eternalness, how much more comfort and peace and like you were saying a level of humor um that comes over us so that we can begin to to recognize that there's more going on here than what we have been taught
1: (laughs) there's a whole lot more it's so it's so interesting because um I, i was a pretty happy person before this happened and it really it really was hard to get my happy back and um In fact, there's this whole story about that. I'll share with that another time. But um, I began when I was out in the sun and I had my sunglasses on, I began seeing these little tiny orbs. They're about like this, like, you know, half an inch big. And they they looked crystalline. And somebody says, oh, they're floaters. I'm like, no, no, they, they, no. They show up at certain times, mostly if I was in the pool swimming. And um, I have a friend that uh, uh, does some channeling and you know her, Burge. And um, when she was channeling, I asked uh, Shamanasta um, what these were and they're fairies and sprites. And they were there to show me how to have fun again. Yeah. And it's interesting because when when I have started to be happier and having more fun, they're not showing up anymore. <laughs>
0: Yes, they were, they were pointing, you know, that they were pointers for what what you could activate on your own. Let's talk a little bit about this, this bigger, we're part of something grander. uh, Because the creative source of all that is, that creates all that is, not only does it create each of us, the grains of sand, it creates the blades of grass, it creates this planet, this solar system, this galaxy, this universe, our minds cannot conceive of the enormity of what source, creative, conscious, whatever you want to call it is. What has been your, um, your experience with that? For me, it has been a, such an expansiveness that has allowed me to really see what's going on in the world, especially today, as nothing but a play of energy. There, There is no personal, nothing personal about it. It's actually very impersonal. And it's a play of energy, like you were saying, we, we create contracts, soul contracts, to come in and have experiences. Um, with children, with husbands, with wives, you know, with whatever whatever that might be for the purpose of God experiencing itself as other than. Course in Miracles is is has been just a wonderful teaching for me. And and it states that the script is is pretty much written because our soul contracts are giving us an opportunity to enter into these experiences. But our free will allows us to look at it from love or from fear is it accepted or rejected. And but everything that we fear and reject, if you resist it, you repeat it, you know, it's, it's that old thing until we choose love again. What what is what's your experience with the the more that is and how does that affect your life today or, or um, inform your life today?
1: Um, I just, um, oh, this is really interesting because, um, with what's going on in the world today, I'm very curious. Um, I, I have to look at my reaction to people picking sides And one of my things is don't make me pick a side because I have to remain curious and objective and open. Um, I believe right now a light is being shown on what needs to change. Um, and I'm open to God source telling me what I need to know, um, to be present, totally present. You know, I, have learned that the past can be full of regrets and that's where depression lies And the future can be stressful and anxiety and fear. And when we stay in that present moment, we're in a state of, um, love in, um, uh, uh, I don't have, you know, years ago, and I used to call it the itty bitty shitty committee um the one act plays in my head the what ifs i used to have this going on all the time in my head and i I, like i said i called it the itty bitty shitty (laughs) committee and i no longer have it in my head um it's very calm in there um very peaceful um i used to have a friend that would say i could watch grass grow and i'm kind of at that point in my life is totally grass grow you know um there's not a lot that rattles me um, and, and how could it, my daughter was killed. Hello. <laughs> you know, it's like, people get upset. Like what's yeah. Yeah, there's a whole lot worse than that, you know? Um, but in um, it, it, I'm curious about what's next. I'm not living in fear. In fact, um, uh, my husband talked about a friend confronted him and said, are you going to go buy a gun? in case things get bad. And he came home and he had a a business card of somebody and I looked at him and I said, you know, why? quite a while back, um, I decided that if I have to live in a world where I have to have a gun to feel safe, I don't want to live here anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be on this planet if I have to have that. Um, To me, that's a hopeless, fearful thought process. And it's not one of mine. Um, I don't judge anybody that feels they need that. That's, you know, for me, there's no judgment. I can't judge. I'm not walking in someone else's shoes. I can't judge them. You know, it's really interesting um, with being present uh, on the San Diego Awakening Giants trip. We had the privilege of having dinner with with Don Miguel Ruiz of the Four Agreements. Um, He was friends with one of the women in our group. Um, He showed up for dinner. I happened to get to sit right across from him Mm -hmm. and everybody's coming up and asking him questions. And most of the time his answer was there is only love and there is only now. That's the answer to every single question. Hello. (laughs) But yeah, but you know, I've got to stay in this state of love um, and love, and, and, and understand, come from an understanding. You know, there's a difference between anger and hatred. Anger has passion in it. Anger is, a, is a, an emotion that wants us to make a change. You know, if I get a splinter in my butt, I'm going to be angry till I pull it out. Anger requires, it's got passion, it requires, <laughs> thank you. Anger requires change. Movement, anger is important. Hatred destroys our soul. There's no energy in hatred. Exactly. We need to be in that place of love with compassion and understanding on both sides. Yeah. Because you know what? Everybody's right. Yeah. From their perspective, they're right. And coming from a place of love sees love in everything.
0: But you know, what, what you're saying is so beautiful. And I I loved Don Miguel Reese's books. I read, I think, probably all of them. And probably the gift the the one book that I gave the most copies away, probably I gave 25, 30 copies, is one of his books called The Mastery of Love. Or what is it? The Mastery of Love. No, The Voice of Knowledge. It was the voice of knowledge. And you know, when I and when I was studying him, like you like me, he went through his awakening, he had his his, he had to do his work. And anybody who reaches this place of, of peace, calm, that can be totally completely at ease with what is we have to have done our work, we have to give up that judgmental side. And with what's going on in the world today, it's really fascinating for me. I never thought after i you know i teach about love joy and peace and how to you know transcend your ego and move into your spirit and align with your spirit and i'm hearing this guidance okay you you can't live in that you know kumbaya it's all light and love and peace you you you've got work to do in the world your work is here to assist people walk down that bridge from 3D to 5D So you have to know what's going on in the world and learn how to discern what is egoic and keeps us in those repetitive patterns because people's minds that are unconscious are programmed to keep repeating the same old thing. That's why we can't move past corruption. We can't move past racism. We can't move past illnesses on the planet. We can't move past hunger. We can't move past abuse, sexual abuse, uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse. We can't move past those things because we're repeating them. It's all programmed in the subconscious mind. We have no clue. We can't see our own blind spots, but in that repetitive pattern, We are going to keep manifesting the same, same old thing, tired old thing. And like you were saying, that anger, there is an energy with that anger that is a movement. It's an energetic movement that is bringing to the surface of our awareness what we now get to decide we're going to pattern interrupt or we're going to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And this work that you're doing, this work that I'm doing, it, it's it's a beautiful work, but it really is. It's fascinating how we are at a point in time that our peace and our calm is what allows us to do what Martin Luther King Jr. did. In his peace and calm, he was part of a movement. It's mm-hmm. what Gandhi did. And it's what Jesus did. Because I don't know yeah and mother Teresa i don 't know about you how it 's showing up because i don 't know how it shows up for different people, but for me, there is a renewed uh excitement, like your daughter, when she was dying and, and her soul you know was helping her boyfriend, like you were talking about in that book um the blue island the The souls of those on the Titanic were helping those other people you know to survive or, or to keep them comfortable to get them on the boats my soul is telling me that I've got to assist those who are stuck in the illusion because mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be one of those teachers that when those students are ready, I'm, I'm there, I'm there. And it really has been fascinating to watch how many people are becoming more curious. There's something that is making them tired of being stuck in the pattern. And I think is exactly what you were saying. We have moved, so many have moved from hate to anger. And anger is an energy that moves you in the direction of desiring something new if you channel it appropriately. If not, you move into the 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 revenge cycle and then back down you go into that that space um, so the, beautiful, yes, because there is something grander that we are tapping into. That is that at that soul level we're, we're hearing we're being guided at that soul level, and for me that's been the biggest shift is i don't listen to my ego mind, I listen to my soul, no. which is why my head is so peaceful. Say a little bit about your alignment with that that knowingness how, how do you align and, and connect to that whatever guides you, whatever you call that guides you
1: um, I, I um yeah i just I just go in I go inward and um Connect and um, get silent. It's it's very easy for me. It took me a while. You know, I remember years ago, I was like meditation. You're kidding me. Um, and I remember um, doing it for five minutes and thinking it was the end of the world. And then I, a few years back, actually, when we were in Hollywood, um, my husband has a friend who's who's Buddhist, and he said, "Oh, we have a half an hour sit." And I'm like, "Half an hour sit in silence." And I remember the first time I did, it was like, oh, my gosh, I love this. Um, That peacefulness in my head, that quietness, that connection. Um, One of the ahas that came to me this year, um, and I'm going to do something with it, program of some sort, the word shift, Um, we are finding that and it, it, it was this was huge for me. We are finding that there are neurotransmitters in the heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Science has discovered that we have neurotransmitters in our heart. And I remember as a little girl, and it doesn't matter what religion you are, um, I remember as a little girl, as a Catholic little girl, and I used to see pictures of Jesus with the sacred heart. Yeah. It was like, holy moly, that's what it's really about. Yeah. And here's the thing is we've been taught – to think with this and feel with this. That's backwards.
0: Exactly.
1: We need to think with our hearts from a place of love in that sacred space, that sacred heart, we need to think from our heart. And here you go, we need to feel with our heads because you know what? Feelings aren't facts, they're based on perceptions. And when I really sit down and I think about my feelings and where they came from, I can either I can either go, okay, you need to love yourself a little bit more or call both bullshit on yourself.
0: Exactly. Honestly kicks in.
1: You know, so we had it backwards. We need to think with our hearts and feel with our heads. And that was huge for me. So that shift, we need to shift. That's a huge shift that needs to happen right now. Yeah. Timely. Yeah. Well, yeah. F- feelings aren't facts. And yes, do we dismiss our feelings? No, we because if we dismiss the feelings, we shove them down, we get sick. We need to honor our feelings, process them, find out what's really going on. And that takes the thought process.
0: It does. Yeah, because that emotional reaction is information. It's it's all it is, it's information about what's in my subconscious mind. Uh, It it is because our conscious mind doesn't react. Our conscious mind you know perceives and would respond, but that subconscious is is a reaction so let's do this let's um, <laughs> so much fun thank you oh, I know you you are oh my gosh, fabulous <laughs> conversation. so how can people connect with you obviously here through facebook um, just just you can send her a friend request, and who would want to be friends with her and a little tidbit, a little bit of trivia through our connection with awakening giants um. We got to know each other a little bit better and Facebook and all of that and found that we both went to the same high school, <laughs> high school. And we were both. Uh, she was in the band of gold and I was a fan of the band of gold because I enjoyed listening to them. So let's put this up here. Betsy, tell them how people can find you and what they can find when they connect with you.
1: OK, you can find me at Betsy Um dot com. Also, if you go to Facebook in the Soulful Journey Facebook group, I'm doing a five-day stress buster challenge, which is really cool. Um, but on BetsyRosam.com, I have a lot of really good information there. You can connect with me. I work I work with clients one-on-one. I have some workshops available. I also had created a deck of cards, but this is my this is just a this is just my copy. Whoops, there they are. Um, deck of radiant healing cards and I made them virtual so you can use them on your phone your laptop or your computer those are available I also have my Amazon best-selling book it became an uh-huh. Amazon number one making more than lemonade out of lemons that's also on my website um, but you can uh, contact me my contact information is on my website and I uh, work with clients to help change those beliefs those subconscious beliefs uh, that that keep us stuck and prevent us from connecting with divine source and being in that connection full time, because that's, that's the challenge is being connected full time. Yeah, that,
0: that's so wonderful. And I'm so grateful that you do the work that you do, because, you know, every single one of us is, is really nothing but a, a bundle of energy. And when we're little, we are, we're, we're all, all kids are empaths, all kids feel and we get trained out of that as we shut down and we we block our ability to feel, to sense and awakening resensitizes us um, and you you know you're you're so wonderful and so generous with your your sharing and your your story and my goodness thank um you. going through the death of your own child and still being able to to want to assist others and help others just speaks to the alignment that you have achieved with source because it it is it, it's so evident thank you so much betsy thank um, you this, this has been so beautiful. And for those of us who are listening, this is a podcast. Let me spell out how you can find Betsy. It's B-E-T-S-Y-R-O-S-A-M.com. And um, well, you know, this journey that we're talking about, we, we all are born divine beings, magnificent beings, these souls that come to the planet to volunteer, to have life experiences. Then we get trained out of that. And then the journey of awakening is a re, realigning with that, reconnecting with that. And I, I offer that in, in The Soul's Journey, which is a free um, series that I offer on my website. So go to LinaOrlando.com and you can get that, that um, free video series. So you can see in a very simple way how we all fall asleep and what we do to wake up. Um, Betsy, I want you to leave people with one last uh, nugget of wisdom. What, what do you want people to know that, that is your truth?
1: It's my truth where we, we are not the skin we're in. Um, we are divine beings all connected to everything. Uh, oh.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, fabulous words of wisdom. So join me next week for the next episode of Align with Lina. My guest is going to be Melody, Melody LeBaron, a dear friend of mine. And we're going to talk about death. That's going to be another one. She's written a book about how to be with the experience of death from a conscious perspective. So kind of interesting how I had you here. We kind of touched on that just a little bit, but that's what Melody and I are going to focus on, how to consciously navigate those experiences because they are sacred transitions. Um, All right, my dear friend, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Love you, Betsy. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye, everybody.
1: Bye-bye.